Well, happy hump day, friends. He's Chris Murray. I'm Mike Stephenson, and from our Champion Chevrolet studio, this is NSN Daily, once again on a Wednesday. And we got a lot to get to today, including a trip down to Greater Nevada Field, where we will be joined by Josh Rojas of the Reno Aces. We also have Exploring Our Backyard and a bonus installment from you over at Fraser Falls. Yeah, Fraser Falls are right there outside of Gray Eagle. We visited on Sunday, so I'll show you a little video and uh, talk about that experience. Shannon Ke Kelly will also be heating up Sand Mountain, so a big Exploring Our Backyard segment coming. We're also talking locals in the NFL as training camps get going and speaking of camp we're a week away from the Wolfpack's training camp we'll talk about that as well as some big league big names to make their way through Reno it is a packed show but we will start in Wolfpack land and at City Council <laughs> not a lot of City Council appearances on NSN Daily but today there was a good reason declared that it's Nevada's college town. This community is Nevada's college town and we could not be more excited about this initiative. And the idea is to get everybody in this community aware of the Wolfpack, excited about the Wolfpack, um, hang their flags with pride. We're selling flags to businesses and to individuals um, and encouraging people to wear Wolfpack gear on Fridays and celebrate the fact that this is a college town and, and the mayor has now declared it as Nevada's college town. What I believe is that everybody in this community supports the Wolfpack and they want us to be successful. It is our, it's incumbent upon us to go out into the community and ask the community to come support us. So it's a, it's a two-way street and we're, we're committed to that and we do think by, by creating a college atmosphere, by waving flags, wearing Wolfpack gear, that it, it really makes um, a tremendous community spirit and the community, you've, the community has a cause to support the Wolfpack. And when you have an R1 institution and a Division I athletics program right here in beautiful Reno, um, we think it's a, it's a great collaboration and we're super excited about it. Part of the reason this is important is to make sure that people understand that there's a college community here, um, to be supportive of it, to know when our teams are playing, to check the scores, to schedule around our games, to come to the games and, and cheer for the Wolfpack. And that's something that you see in college towns all over the country. And um, there's no reason why we can't be one here in this community. And, um, and we know that it contributes to the success of our athletics program. We absolutely do. When the community's behind it, the student athletes feel a part of it, the coaches feel a part of it, and then they feel the support. And, and it keeps kids here, and it keeps kids excited, and then, and then they go and, and know that they're competing for, for the entire community. The biggest thing that people, we ask everybody to get involved in, right, is to buy a flag and to get your employees, or as an employee, um, get your communities to wear Wolfpack gear on Friday. That's a big one. Wolfpack Fridays and um, getting the flags and then Cheer on the pack. All right, so good stuff there from Wolfpack Athletics Director Stephanie Remp on a big day. Wolfpack Fridays were, of course, a thing, maybe more informally, but now we're, <laughs> we're slapping a proclamation on it and trying to get the city to rally around. Yeah, them. a little bit more branding for them about a Wolfpack. Obviously, like you said, Wolfpack Fridays have been a thing for a very long time, and out there kind of selling these packages. So if you're a Wolfpack fan, $25, they'll come to your house, they'll give you a Wolfpack flag. If you're an organization, $100, you'll get that flag. You'll get a couple of other things. You'll get to use some of the Wolfpack logos, and the Wolfpack is hoping that if you are an organization, that does buy into this and a Wolfpack fan comes into your establishment wearing Wolfpack gear, you give them about a 10% cut on whatever they are buying. Like so, uh, you know, Nevada really does need the community to get behind this organization, behind this athletic department. If you're not getting big donations, 
big attendance marks, all of that kind of financial support, you cannot have longevity with your winning. So I think Stephanie Remp knows that there's kind of been a marketing and branding problem for her Wolfpack Athletic Department. She's been on the job for about a year, so rolling out some stuff and trying to make Wolfpack Fridays a little bit more formal than what it's been in the past. Well, of course, Stephanie coming from LSU with Baton Rouge being one of the best college towns in America, if not at the top of the top of the list, and also spending time at Washington. She sees, she knows what those community communities mean to those schools and she wants to implement that here it feels like yeah and I think it makes a lot of sense calling it Nevada's college town because yeah. like you mentioned when she was at Washington you are battling with the Seahawks and some of these other organizations at Nevada the Wolfpack is the big deal when it comes to sports and if you are going to be the big deal then you do need that full-throated support I mean you're talking about almost half a million uh, people within an hour drive of Reno these stadiums should be packed you should not see Lawler empty. You should not see Mackey Stadium empty. You should not see Piccoli Park empty. But too often in the past, you have seen that. And that has been a huge problem in getting this program fully funded. So I think Stephanie's doing a very good job in her first year. But she knows, and she would tell you, a lot of work still ahead to get Nevada to where it needs to be from a support standpoint. And if they're going to get that support, they're going to have to give into the community as well with some of these activities they've done in terms of sending their student athletes uh, to events and things of yeah. that nature. And then going out there and beating your own drum about why it's important to have that support. Pretty cool to see the cheerleaders, the mascots, all the head coaches down there with the mayor and all of city council and uh, having a, a, a Wolfpack start to their meeting today because then it got really boring after, I'm sure. <laughs> ah, I can say that because I'm a sports guy now. Okay, let's transition now. You mentioned Pack and Mackey Stadium. That is certainly an emphasis as we do have good reports as far as season tickets go, right? Most since 2019? Yeah, most since 2019, but I mean, they did hit the nadar, the low point uh, in terms of their FBS era last year. Okay. It was the lowest attendance per game that we have seen since Nevada went D1 in 1992 so only can go up from where they were but they do have a fully staffed sales team now which I haven't had for a lot of years so they are reporting their highest season ticket sales since 2019 we'll see where that final figure ends up sitting you look at Brian Polian's first year 2013 almost 13,000 season ticket holders last year closer to 7,000 so that's a pretty marked decline over the last decade they really need that figure to be around 15,000 season ticket base if they're going to be a super healthy athletic department. Part of rising that number is having a, a super healthy and well-playing team. Here's head coach Ken Wilson from down at the Las Vegas Mountain West Media Days talking about year two and the competition within his squad. We got more players that, that are ready to play at this level and they when they battle and compete everybody gets better so I think going into fall camp we have a lot more competition uh, specifically on the offensive side of the ball as most of the defense is back and and we've we've supplemented we got a lot of new secondary guys in the competition but at wide receiver running back at tight end we've really uh, upgraded uh, the depth so we can get better competition and and you know last year uh, for nobody's we just didn't have that kind of so guys just had to play and play and we had to be very careful to not get guys hurt because you know, when you only have two tight ends and if one of them you know, I get change your whole offense or you know situations like that we just didn't have the depth to be able uh, to have competition and, and have the hard practices and guys really battling that that I think spring ball this year was a little bit different for everybody going wow we got two or three guys battling for that spot we didn't have that just because of the roster last year 
So once again, Coach Wilson sounding off there from Las Vegas. We will get a chance to connect with Coach and some players starting a week from today as fall camp opens for Nevada out there at Wolfpack Park. So of course we'll be covering this team with a magnifying glass extensively throughout the month of August as we get set for that season opener at USC. But Chris, we do want to dissect the offense a little bit now and the lack of depth cannot be an excuse uh, this year. Yeah, I mean, they've added some really talented players. You look at their roster, almost 25 uh, power conference transfers, including 14 from the Pac-12 just this last year. But that offense was more problematic than the defense last year, just 18.8 points per game that was 120th out of 131 FBS programs so you see a new quarterback Brendan Lewis from Colorado you see a couple of new running backs Sean Dollars from Oregon Ashton Hayes um, from the University of Cal you see two tight end transfers from Cal including Kaliki Latu so they really have put a lot of effort into upgrading the offensive skill positions they have a wide receiver from USC John Jackson the third they have another wide receiver from Oregon Isaiah Crocker they have Jason Rodriguez a USC transfer on the offensive line so a lot of Pac-12 guys and it should be a more talented offense we will see if it's a more potent offense because of that talent coming from the Pac-12 and we are seeing highlights from the Battleborn showdown aka the spring game which we brought you uh, this spring on Nevada Sportsnet a lot of those names you mentioned were not around yet they will arrive uh, they probably are already here as fall camp arrives next week but I remember coming out of the spring game thinking that the offense left a little more to be desired it felt yeah. like the defense was a little bit ahead maybe not a surprise yeah uh, it didn't look good it looked like last year's offense. Now, this is one sample size. This was one practice out of 15 during the mm -hmm. spring, and a lot of these guys are new to the system. It takes a while. Brendan Lewis should be probably Nevada's starting quarterback when the season opens. He obviously has more dual threat ability than some of the other quarterbacks in that room. He did start a full season in the Pac-12 2021 at Colorado. So I think the quarterback position should be stronger. Nevada 125th in passer rating last year, again, out of 131 FBS programs. The offensive line, though, is the big key. Nevada's offensive line the last two years has been poor. It's a very young offensive line. Only 37 combined career starts for this offensive line. New position coach in Angus McClure. Isaiah World, the left tackle, the most starts on that offensive line. Only 10 career starts. Unless the offensive line is vastly improved, you're not going to see an elite offense regardless of the skill position players. So that is what I'm looking at when fall camp starts. Can this offensive line get back to the old union ways, which they really haven't seen since 2012. Chris Alts last year was the last time Nevada had a great offensive line. This year's offensive line will not be great, but can it at least get to average or a little above average, which would be a big improvement over the last two seasons. I guess we talk about this roster getting built out and having time to work together, but you can say the same about the coaching staff, which had to really hightail things to get a roster put together. As Coach mentioned, it was a relatively thin roster. And um, so for them, another year under their belts, some changes with Coach McClure back leading the offensive line. But you would hope that there's more comfortability between those coaches as yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Nevada had a super young uh, coaching staff last year. I think Ken Wilson wanted to get guys who were young, who were hungry, who were going to be loyal to Nevada because this was their first opportunity to stay here four, five, six years, even if they're having success. So you expect some lumps in your first year. The one big change on that uh, coaching staff is Angus McClure replacing Jeff Nady. Angus obviously had had previous stints in Nevada. This is his third stint yeah. here. I think what he wants to do with the offensive line fits Ken Wilson's offense better than it fit Jay Norvell's offense because blocking in the air raid is very different than blocking in a more run-oriented scheme, which is Nevada is currently running. I think you look at Angus's last tenure at Nevada, it wasn't super successful as well in terms of the offensive line play because there was kind of a uh, dichotomy in what he likes to do and what the air raid is kind of built to do. So I think this is a really good fit. Um, we will see how that offense improves. It's going to be a better offense. It can't be much worse. I mean, Nevada gave up 
seven defensive touchdowns with their offense giving away games against Colorado State, against UNLV. They made some dramatic mistakes last year. I don't think you'll see that this year. It's just can they establish that ground game? Because Ken Wilson wants to win games by running the ball. Certainly he wants balance, but he wants the old Chris Alt pistol days of you're going to get punished on the ground by us, and then we're going to use that to be very effective throwing the ball. And that's where I think Brendan Lewis fits in at quarterback because that guy is a very good runner. I know he wants to prove himself as a passer, but I think that's where Nevada's offense will be better, the dual threat and electricity from the legs of your quarterback. And obviously, Sean Dollars and Ashton Hayes are very talented running backs, both four-star recruits. Just will they get some creaks and some gaps to be able to run with that offensive line being a little iffy? Well, Coach Wilson, you mentioned won a ton of games as a longtime assistant with Nevada, won a ton of games at Washington State and Oregon. So, you know, 2-10, and ten, not sitting well with him as he heads into year two. And as we head into fall camp a week from today, we'll be covering the heck out of the Wolfpack. Chris has some early fall camp storylines he's looking at and also more on Wolfpack Fridays. You can see that at NevadaSportsNet.com. Coming up next, we're going to shift gears from the gridiron to the diamond. We're heading down to Greater Nevada Field and connecting with the Aces' Josh Rojas. Our chat with him is coming up next. Welcome back to NSN Daily. Chris and Mike with you on this hump day as the Reno Aces are in the middle of a series with the Oklahoma City Dodgers. We have a game tonight on NSN, 6.35, the first pitch. But before they play, we're heading down to Greater Nevada Field. Joined by utility man Josh Rojas, recently reinstated off the injured list. Your back is right and you're back in the lineup. Josh, what's it feel like? Feels good. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's always tough having to, you know, go home by yourself and and rehab and go through that whole process, but it feels good to be back. I want to go back to kind of the beginning of your journey in terms of professional baseball. So you grew up in Arizona, played your college ball in Hawaii, and then you were traded as part of the Zach Grinke trade from Houston to Arizona. So I assume you grew up a Diamondbacks fan. What did it mean to you to break into the big leagues with your home state squad? Yeah, it felt really good. Um, you know, I grew up a Diamondbacks fan, and then, you know, kind of didn't follow follow the hometown team as I went off to college and you know obviously playing with Houston um, you know I was following their team but uh, to get traded back and, and make the big league team in my hometown and get to play in front of friends and family it's it's been an awesome experience obviously the goal is to get back to the show so while you're in Reno now and healthy I guess what's your focus as we head into August yeah just to lock in the approach lock in uh you know my my mentality at the plate um you know try to try to make good swings and you know fine tune all those small things that that we go through as hitters and and try to help out our big league team as soon as possible one of the reasons you are so valuable is you can play so many defensive positions on the field you've played more than 40 games at five different positions in the big league so i guess what's the key to that versatility and do you have a favorite position or a preference when they do write your name on that lineup card uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I always prided myself on, on just being able to be plugged in the lineup anywhere there's an opening, but, um, you know, obviously right now I've been playing a lot of third this year and it, that's definitely been my favorite spot just mostly because I, I've, you know, gotten to do so much work over there and, and lock in one position. I guess it wasn't all bad news while you were rehabbing this back injury. Tell us what happened on July 11th, not too long ago, Josh. Yeah, I, I got married over the, uh, all-star break and, you know, had a had a nice little ceremony with with my parents and, um, you know, my now wife's parents. Um, and it was it was a good time. It was a little small thing. And, and hopefully, you know, this offseason we'll get to throw a big celebration where all of her her friends and family, my friends and family can all come in and and really celebrate. 
obviously this baseball life can be a grind uh, to make it up to the big leagues which you were able to do so I guess who's been some of your key supporters during your journey to really help you accomplish your dreams in terms of making it to the big leagues and becoming a, a very good professional baseball player uh, you know, I mean number one are definitely my parents um, you know just to support my dream along the way uh, you know obviously getting drafted and and not making very much money you know they they helped support me along the way until I was able to make it to the big leagues um, and then you know finally support myself uh, fully so uh, they were definitely my number one support system and then obviously along the way I've had some coaches and uh, mentors that that have helped me guide me and you know help me develop you know my mentality you know at the approach to you know showing up to the yard every day and, and stuff like that you kind of mentioned that journey and getting to this position you started uh, junior college with junior college ball before going to Hawaii and then a 26th round pick so you've always kind of had that underdog mentality I can imagine what kind of keeps you going as you bounce up and down and battle through injuries what is uh, kind of keeping you going here yeah I mean you know growing up I always just played the game for fun you know I loved the game true passion for it um, you know to be completely honest there wasn't really um, you know it wasn't really my goal to make it to the big leagues like obviously I wanted to you know progress and and keep going to the next level you know in high school it's you know I just want to play college ball somewhere I went to junior college and then obviously I wanted to you know try to play d1 somewhere and then I did that um, and then I got drafted and then once I got drafted that was the first time where I really started to realize like this big league thing might be you know attainable um, it didn't matter where I was drafted I just knew that once I once I had the opportunity I, I just had to go out there and show that you know I can compete at whatever level I was and then High A, you just try to be the best. You know, double A, try to be the best. Triple A, try to be the best. And then I got the call up at the, to the big league. So, um, you know, it was it was always just a goal to make it to the next level. Whatever that next level was, I was just trying to get there. And, and uh, you know, I think I just really prided myself on keeping my goals small. You know, I didn't ever try to overstep and think like, oh, I'm in double A, but I, you know, think I should be in the big leagues. It was just trying to get to the next step. Tell us a little bit about your experience at Hawaii, playing for the Rainbow Warriors baseball program, obviously a very strong program. I guess what was the allure of heading over there? Obviously a dream destination for vacations, but how did that impact your journey playing for that uh, specific program? Yeah, they, uh, they, they brought me out on a visit. Um, you know, I didn't really know anything about, you know, Hawaii baseball or even the University of Hawaii, uh, you know, really at all. Um, but, you know, I went on a visit and, um, they had a sold out crowd for three days in a row and it was, it was packed. It was loud. The atmosphere was crazy. Um, it was, it was like, it was almost like a big league game to them. And, and, you know, that, you know, as a, as a kid growing up, your goal is to play in front of a big crowd, um, and, you know, play with that, you know, that energy that's coming from the crowd. And, um, once I got to experience that on my visit, I knew that's where I wanted to play. Pretty good energy on most nights there at Greater Nevada Field. What can you say about playing for the Aces? And also, have you had a chance to just kind of explore our region? I know this is a, a business trip for all of you guys, but have you had a chance to kind of get out of, away from the ballpark at all? Uh, when I got traded over here, I actually visited Lake Tahoe um, in 2019. Um, but, you know, since since being over here, it's, yeah, like you said, it's been business, you know, trying to, trying to lock stuff in and, Get, his, get my work in and, and get locked in to try to make it back up. 
Uh, business has gone pretty well for the Arizona Diamondbacks this season. Obviously, you made your debut in 2019, but we've seen really over the last year so many of these young players have been talked about for a long time get up to the big leagues. I guess what's been the most impressive thing that you've seen with the upgrade and talent in this organization as Arizona has led the NLS for much of the season? Yeah, I mean, I think this organization is stacked with talent, you know, all the way down to low A. Um, you know, rehab and I even, you know, played a couple AZL games this year. Um, and, you know, there's some talented guys there in the AZL. So I just think, you know, having a stacked farm system that, that like we do, uh, you know, it, it just, you know, it breeds, you know, winning, a, a winning uh, mindset. Well, we wish you continued success, Josh, and continued health as you are back in action for the Reno Aces. And one final thing to leave you with, I'm sure someone has told you, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Thanks again for joining us. Anything else you want to add before we let you go? No, that's all good. Thank you, guys. Cool, man. Thanks for the time, Josh. Would love to see him back in the big leagues ASAP, but first things, get healthy, get right. Yeah, I mean, he's a very versatile player. I mean, he's been a very key player for Arizona, and like you said, you know, more talent in this organization does get a little bit harder to crack that starting lineup and maybe even the 26-man uh uh, you know, roster, but I think it's just a really cool story because, like you mentioned, I had to go to junior college. He went to Hawaii. It's not like he lit the world on fire there. He had 239 in his first year, 294 in his second year, low round draft pick. Yeah. And I always find it interesting, like, what are people's goals in the game? And his was to go enjoy it and to have fun and maybe yes. not play as a big leaguer, but he's been able to make that happen just by following that dream. And I think baseball, more than most sports, you don't know where your path is going to take you, but it's taken him very far because he is a super talented player and obviously puts in a ton of hard work. Just turned 29 on the 30th of June, then got married 11 days later. Things are going pretty good for Josh Rojas, who is healthy and back with the Reno Aces. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, we're in the middle of NFL training camps. They just got going, and there's a slew of locals representing our region. We'll talk about it next on the show. Welcome back to NSN Daily. He's Chris. I'm Mike. We're hanging out on a Wednesday as NFL training camps are a go across the league. Cannot wait for the 2023 season to kick off. And we have a handful of players with local ties within training camps. Chris has a full list at NevadaSportsNet.com with a little breakdown of each. We'll break them down right now, including a pair of athletes that are legitimately from the region. We'll start with Brandon Ayuk, the wide receiver. Uh, with the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, only 25 years old. McQueen High graduate entering his fourth year in the NFL. He did say earlier this offseason, I'm about to take off. So he has high hopes for himself. 78 catches, his first 1,000-yard season last year. Eight touchdowns, started all 17 games for the first time in his career. The only thing with him is the 49ers, they like to run the ball, and they have a lot of weapons. You have George Kittle. You have Debo Samuel. You have Christian McCaffrey. So he's kind of the fourth option in a run-oriented offense, which probably lowers his numbers a little bit. But this guy has Pro Bowl potential, and he's talking like he's going to make the Pro Bowl this year. For a guy that started his college career at the JC level, pretty impressive stuff we have seen out of the McQueen, McQueen grad with San Francisco. The other local product out of Reed High School, Austin Corbett. Still recovering from that torn ACL, but once back, he will be a fixture with the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, and that's really the disappointing part for Austin is that he did tear his ACL in the regular season finale last year, so he's going to start training camp on the physically unable to perform list, the pup list. Uh, Frank Reich, their new head coach, has said that Austin will not be ready for the start of the season, but hopefully he is ready maybe a couple of games into uh, the season. And this is a guy who's really established himself as one of the better 
guards in the NFL. So entering his fifth season, still has two years left on his deal with Carolina, so has some financial security. But getting back to full health will be his big thing mm -hmm. as he kind of, you know, he's going to get thrown into it in the middle of the year because that injury did happen so late in 2022. And Austin's journey so awesome considering he was a walk-on with the Wolfpack back out of Reed High School. Transitioning now to the guy who's had the best career on this list, it's got to be Joel Batonio, another year with the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I mean, the big question for him is team success. I mean, this guy knows what he can do on an individual level. Five-time AP All-Pro, that's the most in school history, three times more than anybody else. But the Browns have only made the playoffs two times since being reinstated in 1999. He was a part of one of those teams. He actually missed the first game where they beat the Steelers because he had COVID and was not able to play. He did play in the next game. So Joel's going to do his job. It's just, well, Deshaun Watson, who did not look good last year, will he be able to become the quarterback we saw in previous years, and will Cleveland have any team success? Transitioning now to the defensive side of the ball and a new home for Malik Reed as he gets set for his first year with the Miami Dolphins. Really fun story as well. I mean, undrafted out of Nevada. He's played four years in the NFL, going back to his old coach. Vic Fangio was his head coach right. in uh, Denver for three years. Got traded to Pittsburgh last year. Didn't get a lot of playing time, just 25 tackles, one sack, but did sign a one-year, $1.2 million contract with the Dolphins, whose defensive coordinator is Vic Fangio. So I think a really good fit in that scheme. He should be able to make that roster as a reserve and maybe work his way into a starting role like he did with Denver. No, oh, he was so fun to watch in Nevada and so fun to interact with. He is just a sweet guy and also became a father this offseason. So congrats to Malik and his wife as they get set for year one in South Beach. That's pretty fun. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to the offensive side of the ball and to Green Bay as Romeo Dobbs looks for a big second year. Yeah, and he is their top returning pass catcher. Uh, there's been a lot of changes in Green Bay. Out with Aaron Rodgers, in with Jordan Love, the former Utah State quarterback. Last year as a rookie, 42 catches, 425 yards, three touchdowns. Did miss four games in the middle of the season with an ankle injury. So I think Romeo is going to have a really big season, but that is a big question mark on how good Jordan Love is. We know Aaron Rodgers didn't have a great year last year, but that's a Hall of Fame legendary quarterback who he got to play with. We'll see if he clicks with Jordan Love, obviously. Christian Watson as well, another high-round draft pick last year, a rookie wide receiver for Green Bay. So a young core there, and those guys should grow together. Sophomore season on tap for Romeo, as well as his draft mate, Cole Turner, set for year two with the Commanders. Yeah, a lot of injuries last year, unfortunately. Played in only 10 games, played 36% of the offensive snaps for the Commanders, just two catches on his nine targets. So you look at Washington's depth chart, they don't have a lot of talent at the tight end position. Uh, it's Logan Thomas, who was really a quarterback until he uh, made it to the NFL. And then John Bates, more of a blocking tight end from Boise State. So if Cole is healthy, I think he will have a very nice career. But he did have the hamstring coming out of training camp last year. Picked up a concussion in the middle of the season. Had a concussion at Nevada during his senior season. So hopefully that has cleared and he's uh, you know, able to be healthy. Because six foot six, and he can really make plays in the scene. Crossing our fingers for 8-5, year two over there in Washington. I guess they're technically in Maryland, are they not? Mm. Okay, let's move on now with Dayon Henley as he gets set for his rookie year, bolting up with the Los Angeles Chargers. Of course, we saw him end his college career yeah. over at Washington We're State. We're going to count him. Five years at Nevada, 
Went from quarterback to wide receiver to safety to linebacker last year at Washington State. Number 85 pick in last year's draft. He's not going to start this year. San Diego, or we like to call him Los Angeles now, a very <laughs> strong linebacker core. They signed Eric Kendricks. They have Kenneth Murray, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa. Three of those four guys who start at the linebacking core are all pros. So Dan's going to play a lot on special teams. He will get some defensive snaps. But this guy is a super athlete, even at the NFL level. So it'll be really fun to see his career play out. Not going to be a lot of pressure on him this year though to play a lot of snaps which maybe is ideal for yeah. a guy that played a bunch of positions and now has all this talent in front of him that he can learn from last but not least he's with the Jacksonville Jaguars Elijah Cooks another kid who finished uh, his career elsewhere we'll put him in the same category five years at Nevada spent a senior season at a different school San Jose State Elijah's big thing was injuries back-to-back season-ending injuries during his last two years at Nevada I actually thought he was a better pro prospect than Romeo Dobbs I mean six foot four 215 pounds very physical at the point of the catch um, you know, very competitive guy. I think this guy can stick with Jacksonville if he's healthy. Probably doesn't have a huge chance of making the roster as an undrafted free agent, maybe 15, 20%, but should be able to get on that practice squad and maybe play his way onto that 53-man roster. He's at least getting a chance to make it. That's the thing. We would love to see all eight of these guys end up making it through those final cuts as training camp continues, but that's a heck of a breakdown, and you can see more from Chris at NevadaSportsNet.com. Coming up next year on NSN Daily, it's time to explore our backyard a little more, and we got a double dip today, a little trip to Sand Mountain, and also Fraser Falls. We've got all that coming up next on Daily. Welcome back to NSN Daily on a Wednesday. He's Chris. I'm Mike. It is time now to explore our backyard as Shannon Kelly, NSN Zone, recently jumped on an ATV and hit up Sand Mountain. This segment is sponsored by LT Automotive. Before you hit the road to the outdoors this summer with your family, you can get all of your RV and car needs taken care of at LT Automotive. Come on in and see us. We'll take pride in your ride. We're hanging out off the loneliest road in America for the site of our next Exploring Our Backyard. We're checking out Sand Mountain, an off-roader's paradise. It looks amazing out here. This is the largest sand dune in the Great Basin. We're out here with UTV Addiction. They're going to show us the ropes, so let's go for a spin. Let's hit it. Sand Mountain, I think, is a really special place. You come out here, you kind of leave the city, and you're about 25 miles east of Fallon, and there's nothing around but just a giant sand pile, which is basically sand haven. Every time you come out here, it does not change. Each, each bowl and hill basically stays exactly how it is, so it's pretty predictable, which is good for, good for fun and driving. Definitely one of the coolest places around here, I think, to camp and have fun. It's a lot different than when you're driving in the dirt. When you're you know, basically flying through sand, it's almost like comparable to skiing and powder. You're going you know, at high speeds, you're basically floating, and you get to drive around the backside, all the bowls, and hit everything, and then when you come back in, it's, it's a different type of thrill. And uh, yeah, you definitely leave with a smile on your face. UTV Addiction's been in business for about nine years now. We do service, repair, parts, uh, modifications, light bars, uh, aftermarket doors, wheels, tires, 
all the way down to, uh, again, oil changes, service, and just coming to pick up parts to even install yourself. We do rentals as well. You can come to the shop, rent, bring your own trailer, or if you don't have a trailer, we have a trailer. We can set you up with a trailer and a UTV, and you can take them to uh, anywhere you want, choice, destination. We do a lot of long-term rentals, everything from a couple weeks all the way down to single-day rentals. This was Lake Lahontan nearly 9,000 years ago and has turned into such a beautiful spot to come check out in our backyard. Go see BJ over at UTV Addiction. They'll hook you up the next time you want to get outdoors. This segment sponsored by Michael Hole RV Center. Okay, I have to say that until I saw that incredible drone footage, I had no idea ah. that Sand Mountain was in our region. It seems like such a gem of a place to have. Yeah. It just kind of smack dab in the middle of nowhere. E Egypt or Fallon, you can't really tell. Exactly. Uh, we might not have pyramids, <laughs> but we do have sand dunes, and they're pretty uh, gargantuan. Yeah, very, very impressive. That looked like a good time there with Shannon Kelly. I want to get the call next time we head to Sand Mountain. We got bonus EOB content for you because Chris took a trip with his family and produced some content for NevadaSportsNet.com. Yeah. Even shot a little <laughs> video. I even shot a little video yes this is on a uh, cell phone so maybe not quite as impressive as some of the shots in that package but we went to Fraser Falls so that's right outside of Gray Eagle this waterfall is probably an hour five minutes away from downtown Reno so uh, 176 feet waterfall this actually used to be a glacier the fissures wow. were carved in it 18,000 years ago so a long long time ago it's only a one mile round trip hike so I like to call it a flip-flop hike because it's completely paved uh, you could do it with your kids. It's got some scenic views. It's about a four mile drive uphill on like a one uh, way road, which is paved, uh, so it's very safe. Uh, so that was the view from the Vista Point. This is the view from the Spill Point. So the creek actually spills right in here to the waterfall, goes all the way 176 feet down. So wow. we love the Gray Eagle area. We just booked um, you know, a reservation on Sunday for the restaurant over there at Nakoma. We said, why don't we go out a few uh, hours early? Went to Fraser Falls. That's maybe a 30-minute hike. Also went to Gold Lake, which I wrote up for the website today. So Gold Lake, a really cool place to be able to visit as well. So I know we've hit on Gray Eagle a couple of times in the EOB series this year, but it was really fun to get out there with the family and very family friendly and like I said you can wear your flip-flops and still complete yeah, the hike. That's absolutely beautiful. I got to say the iPhone shoot pretty good video right now. You got there a nice go. steady I did, a rider, I you got a steady hand. No, that was the hand, but I did use a cinematic view. Okay. So yeah, I've got one of the newer phones. So I got cinematic. I don't know what it does, but I'm like, well, it's probably better <laughs> if it says cinematic. Hey, you're getting you're moving over to this uh, actually, production. So we're going center. to Bernie Falls this weekend. Okay. Uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That is a much bigger waterfall and you can get right under it, so a little bit different than uh, Fraser Falls. I think a lot of people know about Bernie Falls, about three hours away from Reno, but Fraser Falls, I do, uh, you know, I wouldn't say just go out to do Fraser Falls hike, because yeah. that's like a 30-minute hike. You might be disappointed, but there are so many things you can do in Gray Eagle if you're out there. Maybe throw that on the itinerary as well if you're just doing a day trip. We'll be looking for that Bernie Falls video <laughs> on a future installment of NSN Daily, or maybe it'll be something else. Wink, wink. Uh, that's for our true viewers there. All right, coming up next here on NSN Daily as we wrap up Exploring Our Backyard, there's a big name on the bump Thursday at Greater Nevada Field. Fans like to call him Thor. We're going to talk about Noah Syndergaard's pending rehab start and then look at the best names ever to play at GNF. That's coming up next. Welcome back to NSN Daily. Alongside Chris Murray, I'm Mike Stephenson. 
Tomorrow on Nevada Sportsnet, we have the Oklahoma City Dodgers and the Reno Aces with a 635 first pitch. We have them tonight as well, but tomorrow night's game, a little more unique considering who's going to be starting on the other side. Chris. Yeah, Noah Syndergaard. So Thor, uh, maybe not quite the pitcher he was in the past. He did, uh, you know, make an all-star team in 2016. He led the Mets to the World Series in 2015 as a rookie. And uh, not a great season thus far with the Dodgers, though. With that said, he's trying to get right in Reno playing for OKC. It's not the first time he's been on the bump at the Aces ballpark as we go back to 2014, Chris. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, four innings, he gave up six runs in that game. You know this that. year, you look at him with the Dodgers, one and four, 7.16 ERA and 12 starts. So they put him on the IL. They basically said it was for like mental rest to kind of get him back on track. He did have some blister issues, but basically they gave him a month off to try and reset. He's made two minor league starts thus far with Oklahoma City. Solid in both, went five innings in both, but to see a former All-Star is a really cool experience. And this said, hey, this led us to thinking, hey, Let's talk about other big names to pitch at Greater Nevada Field. Shout out to Aces team photographer David Calvert for having photos of all of them, including one of Syndergaard's teammates, Jacob deGrom. Yeah, Jacob deGrom, one of the best pitchers of our generation, two-time Cy Young Award winner, uh, Rookie of the Year as well. He was on that same team with Noah and really helped the Mets uh, into that 2015 World Series appearance. So, uh, unfortunately, recently had Tommy John surgery, but one of the bigger names to come through this ballpark. Now with the Rangers, he was here in 13 and 14, transitioning now to who was some real fan favorites, especially uh, in their prime days, Madison Bumgarner. Check out this young face. <laughs> yeah, uh, without all the hair, without all the grizzled veteranness on him. That was 2010. He would go on to help the Giants win the World Series that year. Did not have a good outing, though. 11 hits, four runs allowed, and only three innings pitched at uh, then Aces Ballpark. Would, would go on to win three World Series, including the 2014 World Series MVP. So didn't have the greatest outing then, but also thrown to a very good player when he did come to Reno. That's right. His catcher had a lot of success with him with the Giants as well. How about this young face, Buster Posey? Yeah, Buster Posey obviously was the MVP with the Giants as a catcher in 2012. Seven-time All-Star, hit 302 in his career, recently retired, uh, won three World Series as well. But that's got to be the best battery to ever come Man. through Reno. Uh, Mass and Bumgarner thrown to Buster Posey. And back on the bump, similar to Noah Syndergaard coming in this week in 2016, we had a rehab start from one Tim Lincecum. Yeah, back-to-back -back Cy Young Award winner 2008-2009 with the Giants. He was trying to make it back to the big leagues with the Angels organization playing for the Salt Lake Bees. That was a big crowd. I mean, Tim Lincecum was a huge name in this region, so it was a big deal when he came here and pitched in Reno. That's pretty good stuff. Also over at the hot corner, boy, he's become one of the best defensive third basemen's ever, Nolan Arenado. <laughs> that must have been an early season game. My guy looks, yeah, he's uh, tired. He looks cold. cold. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was 2013. He's gone on to be an eight-time All-Star, hit 288 in his career thus far, 321 home runs, currently with the Cardinals. He was with the Rockies organization back then. But that's one of the cool things about having a AAA team in your ballpark. You didn't know at the time Nolan Arenado was going to be this huge star, but that's what he ended up being. Yeah, I had the hoodie on and everything. I'm <laughs> used to those, uh, that March baseball in Reno, Nevada, early April baseball. Transitioning now to the Iowa Cubs who were in town in 2014. And how about Chris Bryant, it, the Vegas kid? It is funny seeing how young all of these guys yeah. were. But I remember actually I did a column on Chris Bryant because Jay Johnson was Nevada's head coach at the time for the Nevada Wolfpack. And he coached Chris Bryant at USD. He was an assistant on the team. He said, you got to go see this guy. He's going to be a star player. So I did. Was the rookie of the year in 2015. Was the MVP of the National League in 2016 when he helped the Cubs win the World Series. So he certainly lived up to the hype. Unfortunately, a lot of injuries lately in his career playing yeah. for the Colorado Rockies, but um, definitely put on a show early in his young MLB career. And on that same team, would you believe 2014 
There he is. Ah. Manny Ramirez, who I wonder uh, behind the lens how David was feeling as he got this shot looking <laughs> yeah, right at him. Right into your uh, soul. A 12-time All-Star. Uh, that lineup with those Iowa Cubs had Chris Bryant, Jorge Soler, and Manny Ramirez, and their head coach was Ryan Sandberg. Oh my so gosh. that was a loaded opportunity to go and see those teams. Manny hit 555 home runs, 312 average in his career, one of the greatest hitters of our generation. Unfortunately, some ped stuff late in his career, yeah. so not in the Hall of Fame, but really cool to see him come and play at this ballpark. He played in Reno, and so did this guy. 2012, <laughs> there he is, Mike Trout for the Salt Lake Bees. His time in AAA wasn't too long, though. Yeah, 2012, as you mentioned, he had a home run in that ballpark. Went into the train trance behind the left field fence. Also had a triple, three-time AL MVP, 11 All-Star uh, appearances, more than 300 in his career, hitting 301, 368 home runs. So I think he's the best player to ever come through this ballpark. Obviously, Manny Ramirez, a huge name as well. Buster Posey will probably be in the Hall of Fame. But this guy was a generational talent. So to be able to see him play, we all knew he was going to be mm -hmm. great when I remember covering that game because of how much hype he had. I guess you never know what they're going to turn into, but he turned into an all-time legend. Yeah, my dad is the biggest Angels fan I'll ever know, and I'll never forget him telling me about yeah. this Mike <laughs> Trout kid back in like 2010. And sure enough, when he came through, my dad make, made sure to be at that game to watch him play and then look at him now. Angels got to do something about getting him <laughs> into some meaningful playoff games and Shohei as well. I digress. All right. Uh, any honorable mentions? Our director, Eric Strom, wanted to get Hunter Pence on the list. Hunter Pence. I think he was cool <laughs> because he, like, went uh, swimming in the Truckee River. Yeah, that's good and, stuff. And uh, he was out at the hub, uh, you know, downtown and was kind of tweeting about how much he loved Reno. So yeah. a, a lot of great players have come through. Yeah. And, you know, maybe you don't know until after the fact. That's great point. But that is, you know, the greatest thing about it. And now you'll get to see Thor on Thursday if you go out to the ballpark. It'll be interesting to look back at this list in a decade or so and see who else has been added to it. All right. Coming up next year on NSN Daily, we'll wrap a ball on this Wednesday show. How about a little? messy magic. Probably not a sports show if you don't have him in there. Let's talk about it next on Daily. Wrapping up this Wednesday show here on NSN Daily with a tweet, a notable tweet from one Eric Van Ruyen, the 2021 winner at the Barracuda, but he's given up kudos to his caddy, Chris. Yeah, Alex uh, Gogert. So he is his caddy. They both played together at the University of Minnesota, and the 3M Open is in Minnesota this week. So his caddy went through the Monday qualifying. The top four golfers get into the PGA Tour event. So his caddy will be playing in his first PGA Tour event. They're very good friends, and they are actually in the exact same group. What? So the caddy can outplay his boss, and maybe let's say that Alex actually makes it through to the weekend and Eric doesn't. We're not hoping that happens. It would be very curious to see if Eric maybe got on him. Alex's bag, but also a local tie here. So there was a four-way playoff, and the top three in that playoff from the Monday qualifier got in the PGA Tour event. Sam Harned, who played at Nevada, was in that four-way playoff. Unfortunately, he was the odd man out. Yep. He shot six under. Grant Booth, who played recently in the Barracuda Championship, also a Nevada grad, was five under. So both of them barely missed that Monday qualifier, but very cool to see those guys kind of travel in the country trying to get into these PGA Tour events, but it'll be very fun to see how Caddy and Boss do in their grouping. We had Alex Margulies on the show Monday, and he was talking with Sam, and Sam was like, yeah, I'm in the clubhouse as the leader right now, which we were able to report at the time of taping, but then sure enough, the rest of those golfers finished. He ends up in that four-way tie, and tough to see him as the odd man out. That would have been his well first PGA Tour star. How cool would have that been after caddying for Grant yeah, last week at he, the Yeah, and it probably would have been reverse. If Sam made it into the field and Grant was out there trying to qualify, he probably would have been on yeah. the bag. So those two guys, really good friends. Really hard to make it onto the PGA Tour, but they're giving it a go. That's that grind, that Monday qualifier life. 
on to the next one for them. Less than a minute left on the show. We end with some messy magic. Uh, the MLS proving to be no problem for one of the greatest, perhaps the greatest, to ever do it. He scored an extra time in his Miami debut. He scored two times in his second match, taking on Atlanta. There's one in the eighth minute on the own rebound off of the post. And then he got another in the 22nd. Uh, it's Messi and then everyone else in the MLS. He's probably like, why do I have so much space around me? <laughs> like, this is kind of like him playing on the JV squad. Like Messi is still maybe not in his prime, but he just led Argentina to a World Cup championship. He is still playing at a very high level. And you go to the MLS, it's not like playing in La Liga. It's not like playing in the English Premier League. So I'm sure he's having a ton of fun, and I'm sure he's going to score a ton of goals. But he really has ignited that franchise and that fan base. They were last place in MLS. We'll see if they can make a run to the playoffs now that Messi's in town. Their coach reaction just kills me. They're like, I can't believe we have this guy. <laughs> I'm sure Apple TV is happy about it, too. Hey, we'll see you tomorrow on NSN Daily.